Thank you, Pastor Matt, for the warm welcome, and great to be here. And uh, uh, Miss uh, Pastor Kuruvela, I was looking forward to thinking that he's going to be here. And uh, grateful for uh, uh, Dr. Dal Jackson for fixing me up and getting me here. And um, great to when I saw your vision for the world and your church and uh, love for the nations, I was just very excited to come and meet you. And uh, thank you for the honor for uh, attending and preaching and bringing God's word to you. I live in Chicago uh, in the U.S., uh, in the U.S. now for 30-some years. I uh, lived in other parts of the world, and I used to be here in Hong Kong uh, a while ago, and I used to come to Singapore and uh, Australia and Perth and uh, Sydney uh, for business. Yeah, I was working for an American company. But it's good to go, come back here for mission and ministry. I was teaching at Morling this week, and I head to Melbourne uh, School of Theology tomorrow and here for a few more days, and then I'll head back. And uh, uh, just two Sundays ago, we had Easter, and uh, in the weeks following, I often read and study for myself uh, the appearances of Jesus and all the men and women who encountered Jesus uh, after he was uh, risen. And I want to share uh, one scripture verse for you. Our title for the message uh, this morning is, I'm calling it as, you got heartburns? I'm not talking about the medical condition of heartburns but to encountering a risen Christ. And my main passage comes from Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bible or on your phones, uh, turn to that passage. There are two stories. I'm going to pick up the second story. And the story of, there are many appearances that we see in the Scripture. A list of all the appearances that we find, about, we find in the New Testament. I'm not going to go over all of them, I'm just going to pick up one of them. Uh, from Luke chapter 24. This is often called as the journey of, uh, to the Emmaus. Two followers of Christ traveling from the city of Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they encounter Jesus. Just briefly capturing the story. It is the first Sunday after Easter afternoon. In the beginning of the chapter 24, verse 1, we read that's the first day of the week. And so that was Easter morning. And they had this encounter, the woman goes to the tomb, and we see that story. And then it says, in the same afternoon, here is two individuals who are walking away. One of them is named. His name was Cleopas. The other is an unnamed disciple. We don't know who that other guy is. Some say it was wife of Cleopas, but probably not a woman. Maybe another guy, making, taking late evening a treacherous journey like that. It must have been somebody else. Some Bible scholars say it was Luke himself, the author of the book of Luke, the Dr. Luke, who was a medical doctor. He's kind of hiding in one of the last chapters of his account of Jesus. He's hiding his own encounter with Christ. Because lots of details that are given in the story, it has to be an eyewitness, somebody who was there on the scene. And so they argue, but we don't know. We know who Cleopas was. It's mentioned several times in the New Testament. He was the father of James the Younger, who became the follower of Jesus. So imagine a father's and his friend's concern. My son had decided to become a follower of Jesus. And now in the last few days, all the things that are not, um, unfolded here in Jerusalem. And the Bible clearly says their faces were downcast. They were sad, weary, and sorrowful, and upset, and disillusioned with the turn of events in the last few days. And we find in the midst of that journey, as they were talking about all that happened over the last weekend, 
we see Jesus coming alongside and walking with them. It's a seven-mile journey. And here Jesus is walking along them, and they did not recognize that it was Jesus. And then he begins to ask questions, and he begins to teach from the scriptures. And he breaks bread. And then suddenly their eyes are opened, and Jesus disappears. It's a wonderful story about two men in the midst of the pain and confusion that just happened in the city. They're leaving all that behind, wants to go back to their hometown and to some normalcy. The pain and the confusion. And I want to bring to you five things that happened and share about what does it mean to encounter risen Christ. My key words come from verse 32. Just an enter. Can you show that verse? Yes. And here is one of the conversation, one, one uh, discussion that happened between them. It says, didn't our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scripture? The risen Christ is a heart-burning Christ. His conversation, when Jesus talked about himself through the scripture, this is how they felt. There was a, a, a warmer, there's a depth, there's this, this scorching experience of encountering the risen Christ. Risen Christ is a heart-burning Christ. What does it mean to encounter a risen Christ in our own lives? Let's go and dig a little deeper into the story. Number one point that I want to talk to you about, they were heartbroken. They had certain expectations of the Messiah. They thought that, you know, who he was and what happened, and now they're completely disillusioned. Their hopes were dashed. They're confused and don't know what's happening. Even the God who is walking with them, the God of the universe, this Messiah who is crucified, who rose again this morning, and this afternoon he's walking with them and he did not recognize them. God is a God who walks with us. In the valley of shadows of death, in the despair and confusions of life, in the journeys that we undertake, we are leaving some things behind and heading into something else with hopes. In the pain and the despair, we find God walking with us. God not only walks with us, He wants to talk with us. He wants to engage in a conversation. And He asks them, what are you guys talking about? And the disciples tell Him, are you only a stranger in town? Don't you know what just happened in the last three days? It was on the headlines in Jerusalem Post. It was trending on the Twitter. It was the breaking news of the city on television channels. Didn't you know what happened? How can you be in the city and the whole city is talking about it? What things? Jesus' question. I love that question. What things? What do you want to talk about? He wants to invite us and engage us in a conversation. And this is what then they responded. He's trying to find the pieces of the puzzle. Hey, there was this man, Jesus from Nazareth. He was an amazing prophet, great teacher, wonder-working, miracle worker. He was condemned by the chief priests and rulers, and he was killed. And he was crucified. But this morning, 
we had this news, some women who went to the tomb and found the tomb is empty. And they came back and told us that he, Jesus isn't there, he's risen. How do I make sense of all this? They've never heard of men and, you know, or anybody who is walking out of the grave and living again. And this is absolutely a strange uh, uh, news to believe in. God is a God who walks with us and he talks with us. When Jesus was born, the Matthew's account is beautiful. He introduces Jesus as an Emmanuel at his birth, prophecies about who Jesus is. God with us, Emmanuel. And from the last verses of Matthew, final, the great commission, the charge that is given, go make disciples of all nations. And then he gives a promise. Lo, I am with you till the end of ages. I am with you. The Emmanuel God. It's like the old uh, country uh, song. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. For us to hear the tender voice of God and experience he walking with us in the valley of shadow of death. God who walks with us. The risen Christ wants to journey with us. No matter where our journey will take us, uncertainties, confusion, and pain, he wants to walk with us. Isn't that so comforting to know that you and I are not alone? We have a God who wants to enter into our pain and journey with us. Number two, he wants to teach from the scripture to us. When the disciples said, this is what our perception was. We were wishing that he would be a Messiah who will redeem us from the oppression of the Roman rule. He will reestablish the kingdom of David. Things are going to be good for us. It's all gone now. All the hopes are dashed of this man. And Jesus immediately rebukes them. You foolish ones. Don't you understand? Don't you get it? Slow to heart. Don't you believe? This is what is said about Messiah in the scriptures. And then he will enter into glory. And then he goes on to say, from the Moses through all the prophets, he explained about himself through the scripture. That would have been a bestseller. Imagine Jesus describing all of Old Testament and telling about himself through entire Old Testament. And that's exactly what transpired there. He rebukes them, he opens the scripture, and begins to teach them, and points them to himself. He knew that soon he's going to be gone. Ascension is a few days away. He's going to leave his disciples behind. And he said, I'm going to be gone. All the teaching and healing and miracles, are all that gone. Now, you turn to scripture. He could have done some miracles and, you know, called some angels and amazing witnesses, but he chose to use the scripture so that disciples will begin to see scripture about himself. And then, by then, they already reached Emmaus, the town of Emmaus. And then they begin to enter into the house. And Jesus says, he pretends as if he's going further. And Bible commentators tell us that it was not safe for somebody to travel alone on those uh, lonely paths in the Palestines after dark. 
Say, don't travel, stay with us for the night, and then you can continue your journey tomorrow. And as he enters into the house, he breaks bread with them. My third point is God who uh, uh, breaks bread with us. He opens their home, invites Jesus in, Jesus takes the bread as it was customary for a Jewish rabbi, and he breaks bread. And he says the grace over meal. That's exactly what happened. A Jewish rabbi would do that. And Bible says, as he broke the bread, they recognized him. This is Jesus. Some people say because Jesus was now in front of them, they saw face to face. When they were journeying, they didn't see his face. Suddenly they saw his face and recognized him. Some other people say, as he took the bread, as it was customary, a Jewish rabbi, then they will break the bread. And they saw the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. And they said, he was a crucified man. He's alive again. And that's what confirmed that he was Jesus who was crucified, who was alive again. But we don't know. The crucified hands of Christ. Men and women continue to see that all over the world. In the last couple of years, I had crisscross Europe and Middle East uh, trying to study the refugee crisis. Greatest humanitarian crisis on planet Earth. What is God doing in the midst of that? And I saw hundreds and thousands of people turning to Christ. Every church services, 50, 100 people are waiting to take baptism. God is at work in the midst of the greatest humanitarian crisis. And he's drawing thousands of people unto himself. There's one story that stands out for me. I was in the city of Hanover in Germany. And I met this young man who was from Syria. Whose parents and seven members of his family was killed by the terrorists. All that he was going through in the midst of it, he runs away. Gets caught by the terrorist. They're about to be killed. And then he kind of falls and he's kind of lying in the sand and the terrorists come and they think they are dead and he leaves them there. They put sand over him and buried him. Late in the night, one, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And he's lying buried in the sand in the middle of nowhere in a desert in Syria. And suddenly Jesus appears to him. Stands in front of him, three, four feet away from him. Calls him by name. And I just stopped him. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Tell me, how do you know that was Isa? Say, I couldn't see his face. It's bright in the middle of the night. The whole place is so bright. And I saw his nail-pierced hand. And I knew that is Isa. He's the one who was crucified, who is living again. The nail-pierced hands still revealing Jesus to the world. He's an amazing kid. His life had such impact on his life and what he's doing in the church that he's involved now in Germany. and Encountering the nail-pierced hand who's alive again. He's not a dead savior that be. He's not a wonderful man. He's not a wonderful teacher. He's a man who rose again from the grave. He's the one we call him a savior and master. Breaking bread reveals. We're going to enter into communion in a little while. Maybe you've done this many times over. What does it mean to surround a community uh, um, as a church community around this table? Communion table. May you and I hear these words. May you and I see these nail-pierced hands, the blood that was shed for us, body that was broken for us. May we enter into a deeper experience with this risen Christ. Number three. Number four. This experience 
after Jesus disappears, the two guys are talking to each other. And this is what they said. Where is our hearts burning when he opens scripture and talk to us? What does this book mean to you, folks? I know some of you have been for Christian forever. Where you've read all and know all the stories of the scripture. Sometimes we, professors, teachers, you know, in my shelf, there are some 25 different Bibles, every translation in different languages, and familiarity with the story. Since Sunday school, I know it all, whatever it is. The ritualistic aspect of your devotion, reading Bible, and I know it all. Why do I need to read? What does it mean to go back to Scripture? Recognize that this is not just any other book. This is God's very word. May these words, may the Christ out of these pages jump out of it and grip our hearts and burn our hearts. That's what happened with these disciples. Our hearts were burning when Jesus explained Scripture to us. What does it take for us to encounter this risen Christ and let our hearts be scorched again? It took away their confusion. A lot more clarity appeared. Their convictions were deepened by encountering and experiencing the risen Christ. Have you met this Jesus, folks? Each has come and gone. Winter is here, summer is here, another season of Christmas will come around. Then again, we will do another uh, season of Lent and another Easter will come by. We just go through religious motions sometimes. What does it mean to experience for real this risen Christ who is alive and well and is at work in the world? This young man from Syria who encountered Christ a few months ago when I was in Germany, I called up his pastor and told them, how is he doing? I want to come by to your city and come and visit him. And, and he said, hey, he started complaining about this kid. And, you know, my father hardened me. I'm concerned. Is he okay? Does he need help? Does he need to see a, you know, a lot of them have post-traumatic disorder and a lot of trauma and pain. And does he need a psychologist? I know a psychologist in the city. You know, can he get some help? Or what do I need to do? And, you know, it's okay. But, you know, my problem with this. Okay, what's the problem? What's the problem with the boy? What's going on with him? And the pastor tells me, he's reading Bible and praying all the time. So I said, Pastor, what's the problem? You know, that's a, isn't that a good thing? We tell new believers to read Bible and pray every day. I think he's doing a little too much. I said, what is too much? Oh, he reads Bible for 10, 12, 15 hours. Early in the morning, 5 o'clock, he opens the scripture. Whole day, whole night till he falls asleep. He's on his knees with open Bible. Praise Christ and reads the Bible. Much of the New Testament in his memory now. Young kid, he's only 19 years old now. They're encountering the risen Christ and the experience of the scripture just comes alive. Jesus could have done so many different things, but he turned back to the scripture and pointed to himself. May that be our experience too. As you open scripture every day, morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you do that, may Jesus jump out of these pages a fresh capture, grip our hearts, folks. May he become real to us. Heart-burning Christ. Risen Christ is a heart-burning Christ. May our journeys of life, may we be encountered this Christ, and may he come, become real, and our hearts be burned.
Finally, number five. We see it was dark. Jesus has disappeared. They told Jesus not to travel alone in the night. But now these two disciples, what do they do? They decide to go back to Jerusalem and tell somebody else, the disciples back in Jerusalem, hey, we saw him, Jesus too. If you encounter the risen Christ, you will take great risk to tell somebody else about this Jesus. It's not something that I get out of Jesus' experience and my salvation and hope of eternal life. We enter into this mission of God to tell other people that Jesus is indeed risen. He's alive. He's at work. I heard him this morning. I talked to him this morning. He spoke to me through the scripture. If that is a reality, you will tell somebody else. If you keep this gospel to yourself, you don't understand the power of this gospel to transform other people's lives. You must share the truths about Jesus. He's alive and well, and he's changing your life. And that has been the story of Christianity in the early years. Everyone will greet each other. Not say, hey, good morning, praise the Lord, hallelujah, whatever you, your greetings are. They will greet each other saying, Jesus is risen. And the people will respond, he is risen indeed. That's, that is a fact upon which Christianity was established in the first century. Believers went about telling that Jesus was risen. What does it mean for us to encounter Jesus afresh in these days after Easter? Let's not forget the story of Easter and move on with life. Read and meditate and understand that he's risen and experience afresh the risen Christ. In conclusion, as a wrap-up, there's a story of two people journeying from Emmaus to, uh, journey from Jerusalem to uh, Emmaus. And we see the ministry of the risen Christ. What does he do? God who is with us in our struggles and our pain. He clears our confusion and comforts us. He opens the scripture and shows Jesus to us afresh. And he enters into communion with the table as he breaks bread with, for them. He opens their eyes to see new realities who Jesus is. They had a completely, uh, um, uh, kind of an incomplete view of who Jesus is. Wonderful facts about Jesus. You can know about Jesus and you can know Jesus. These are two different things. They knew a lot of facts about Jesus, all that happened. But now they know Jesus and have experienced Jesus. And they took great risk to go back to Jerusalem and tell somebody else that Jesus is alive. I'll close with this young boy. He walks around everywhere in the big city of Hanover in Germany. And he tells everybody, do you know my Isa? That kind of emphasis that he makes on my Jesus. Do you know my Jesus? That's how he talks to everybody. Do you know my Jesus? Folks, he's risen. He is indeed risen. Well, let's go back to the first century Christians and understand this. I'm going to say, I'm going to greet you, say that he's risen. And he please respond that he's risen indeed. And may that be our story as we go from here. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. Let's go out into the world and tell somebody else that Jesus is alive and well. He transformed my life. He's alive and well and can do wonders in your work life as well. God bless you. Let's pray.